I've forgotten how to use words. Hang on. <laughs> That's the intro. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> Maybe if you got out from under your desk, it would help. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, yep. welcome to the One Up podcast. It is nearly Christmas, and I am your ho ho host this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am your ho ho ho. <laughs> Oh, we're back. <laughs> Have you missed us? Oh, so much. Apologies. It has not only been three months-ish since we've recorded a big episode. Very sorry about that. It's been... I don't think I've hosted an episode since, like, January. So, if it's bad, that's why. <laughs> I'm holding two thumbs up and doing an awkward smile. I am joined this recording by... The man with resting Grinch face, it's Andy. What up, fuckers? <laughs> and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Resting sure Grinch. Sure to always face. have. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> that was really good. I really enjoyed that. Sure to always have the final sleigh, it's Becky. Oh, I like that. Are we doing Merry Christmases? Happy holidays. Oh. Ooh, don't cancel Christmas. <laughs> I'm cancelling Christmas. I'm Alan Rickman in Prince of Thieves. Maybe I got them too mixed up. Maybe. Okay. I just steal presents from people. And oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> it's Chip. <laughs> Hello. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas. Uh, I, like I, put, I put a modicum of effort into that. I love it. It was what, my one. <laughs> <laughs> my pun game is medium at best. <laughs> Before we get to talking about the topic of this month's episode, which if it's nearly Christmas, didn't give you the uh, a clue, and why would it? To be honest, um, <laughs> yeah, because you just said the word nearly. Like the spelling doesn't come across. <laughs> I don't know why you keep talking about someone called Neil, to be honest with you. <laughs> this was going to be near Vember. That might give you another clue. Uh, we're going to be talking about near, near, near Automata. <laughs> but first, what have we been playing in the last say what we were playing. few weeks, no. <laughs> months? We're going to be nearly dead by the time you say the name <laughs> of the game. It's all right. They'll read the name of the episode. Fine, it's fine. We'll just automate it. Oh, no, I did say the name. I said Near Automata. I think we were all busy laughing. Yeah, I'm sure. I must have missed it. (laughs) Fucking hell. Near Automata. Insert appropriately. Pardon? What? (laughs) (laughs) I was giving you. What instructions are you reading right now? What are you inserting? I did not play the game this way. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't Games Master. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's more. But, so because if there was lots of chattering over it you can take that cut of near automata and just paste it <laughs> i don't think he's gonna do that to be honest <laughs> no there's, there's no edits happening to this so far pure chaos uh, insert appropriately <laughs> do you want me to play like a trailer from the game at this point <laughs> i don't know whatever <laughs> Insert it appropriately, Jim. <laughs> yeah, near, near. Oh, I never do. It's a, it's a trailer here. We've already maybe. got the subtitle, I feel. <laughs> yeah. In which we okay. insert appropriately. <laughs> Can this just be the episode? Can we just release this? Everything that lives is designed to end. We are perpetually trapped 
in a never-ending spiral of life and death. Is this a curse? <laughs> well, okay, Chip. Yeah? <laughs> What have you been playing? <laughs> no prompting. <laughs> this is going well. I'm having a great time. I have too. Good stuff. Right. What have I been playing? I have just finished God of War Ragnarok. Um, it, it's a game oh, that cool. we've played. Uh, we did a review of it, Andy. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when we did that review, I'd only played it for a few hours because we literally did it a couple of days after it came out. And I was so, so sure that it was going to be a 10 out of 10 game. But I was actually wrong about that because it's it's a 14 out of 10 game. Like I just I, I loved it. And I can't wait for us to do our spoiler special about it. I was very sad when the game came to an end and I ran out of quests that weren't ones I wasn't going to do because they were too difficult. Uh, <laughs> and also I have played... 400 hours of Football Manager 2023 since it came out a couple of weeks ago. Fucking hell. Which, which feels a bit like a bit like a confession. We're not doing an episode on that. <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely fine. This will be the only time we ever mention it, I think. I'm a massively lapsed football fan. Like, I adored it as a kid, but like the last fucking 10 years or so, I've grown to really not enjoy it, mostly because of all the toxic fans that were involved in it. But I still really, really enjoy these games. I get a lot of pleasure out of them. They're such a good thing to just have on when I'm working or if I'm tired, like they're, they're almost like, it's almost like a background game, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, so I'm enjoying this entry into the franchise. I've taken Stour Bucharest from the second tier Romanian football to the champions of the top flight already, which I'm sure you're all really, really glad to hear about. I'm deeply and, fascinated. Uh, I, I definitely understand <laughs> the importance of that because I know about football teams. I, I did. A, I've done a good thing on it for absolutely no one other than myself. But Old yeah, stuff. it's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun, and it's been nice to have a distraction when working. Very good. For about half of that, you were essentially speaking um, a language I don't understand, but cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um. English? (laughs) Yes. My grasp of English is um, limited, as evidenced by the recording so far. (laughs) Um. I feel like such an emission of guilt when I was like, I've played a football game, guys, I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll I think it was more than number of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but cool. You can play football games. I won't judge. I'm glad you are enjoying the football. Thank you. Managing. <laughs> <laughs> he is. <sighs> okay, Becky, what have you been playing? Well, for those who, who follow me on Twitter will know that I've been recovering from surgery lately, so I have played a lot. A football manager as well? No. No. Oh. No. No, oh, Chip. You're on your own there. Um, (laughs) No, I've played a lot of uh, Stargy Valley, um, which basically got me through the first two weeks where I couldn't actually do anything. Like I was on just solid like chair rest with occasional like walks up and down the landing. And I put in 100 hours into Stargy Valley over two weeks. Um, So that went well. And then I played Two Point Campus, which is a lot of fun. I did a lot of Two Point Hospital as well. And also, I've been playing Pentiment, which is... Well, I finished it now, but it's just stunning. And I have so many thoughts that I can't go into because they're spoilery. So I need someone to carry, like, hurry up and, like, catch up with it. Andy, I'm looking at you. Yeah, it'll because be Because I have, I have 
thoughts. I have feelings. I loved it. Um, and if you're into sort of medieval telltale games, I think is the best way of describing it. I'd really yes. recommend it. It's it's so detailed and enthralling, and oh, it's just it's so good. Yeah, that's so. I've been playing Pentiment, and everyone else should too. You sound like me when I'm recording anything about Final Fantasy. Everyone else should play it too. Yeah, I tried. You did. <laughs> Andy, how about you? Well, I've started playing uh, Monster Hunter World with Caroline. I tried to play this game on release, but I couldn't get my head around it, and it just fucked me off completely, so I ended up selling it, like, two days later. <laughs> but, like, Caroline's a big Monster Hunter fan, She uh, so she said, okay, we can both play it together, and I can help you out and talk you through it all. So she helped me, like, understand the mechanics of it, the lore, all sorts of stuff. And she also kind of warned me about which monsters not to run straight towards with a sword and try and attack them, because they will kill me immediately. <laughs> so that was nice. Is uh, Monster Hunter World, sorry yeah. to interrupt a second, but is that the one with monsties? Uh, and palicos? No. It's got uh, palicos. Don't know if they call them monsties, but they do have palicos. It's the one that's Might just like... be Monster Hunter stories, then. Yeah. Palicos are great, though, right? Yeah. I've... I have one in Final Fantasy, and it has a little spade. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> <The> small digs. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm interrupting your Monster Hunter world. Continue. Oh, sorry, it's, it's it's a game that I didn't think I'd ever get into, but I think like playing Elden Ring and finally like understanding the just insane depth of that combat and how punishingly difficult it can be, like prepared me for Monster Hunter. It's really a completely different game this time around. And it helps that I've got someone playing with me who can, like, you know, carry me through most of the game. <laughs> it's like Caroline's busy fighting this big dinosaur and I'm on a cliff edge, like, going, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just run straight towards them and just jump off the cliff. And somehow <laughs> I land on top of the dinosaur and start stabbing it in the back. And I didn't realise I could do that. But I was like, oh my god, this game's awesome now. <laughs> and, and also just because my little palico friend Bumpus is just the just an absolute lad. I love him. Bumpus is an I, I, I can't hate any game that gave me Bumpus. No. <laughs> yeah, I've also been playing uh, a lot of Marvel Snap, which is a really great game. And oh it's God, the first stop. card game that I've ever got into. So like, it's just another example of me liking something. I just said flat out, I don't like the genre. I don't want to play it. So I'm just, I'm growing as a person and I don't know how to feel about it. We're going to get you into Gwent. Yeah, I are. have it installed. I just yes! have it. <laughs> yes! I'm very proud of you, Andy, for Marvel Snap. I, too, have been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. I, like, mainlined a season pass in about three days. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was over a weekend, to be fair, but, like, it got me and it gripped me immediately. Very much feeds into, obviously. I love card games. I play Magic the Gathering in real life. So... <laughs> Yeah, very much my thing. Anyway, I guess, what have you been playing, Bash? Did I say that I was Bash at the start of this, by the way? I've already no. forgotten. No. Did I just say I'm your ho-ho-host and then just started giggling? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah basically, yes. Happened. Yeah. I'm Bash. What have you been playing, Bash? Thank you, Bash. Um, I have been playing... <laughs> so I'm going to really try really hard not to talk about Final Fantasy fourteen for once. But I did just want to say as a little point of pride, I have maxed out every job now. So I don't really know what to do with myself, which is why you now find me doing things like play Mass Effect on stream, which is really yeah. fucking amazing. Like, yeah, 
I spent an entire three-hour stream in the Citadel and didn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) And it became a bit of a meme, I think, at the end, where it was like, I kept threatening. I was like, after this bit, I'm going to leave and go to another planet. And then it was like, oh, wait, no. After this bit, I'm going to leave and go to another... Oh, wait, no. I want to meet this alien race and this alien race, and these are great, and oh, my God, aren't these amazing? I absolutely adore the ones that speak... Like, because they can't express emotion with their faces or their voices. Oh, yeah. The, uh, so they're the like, Elkar? yes, pleasant hello, disparaging uh, disagreement, things like, like, just uh, describe it. I think everyone should do that. You know, as someone who's incredibly neurodiverse and finds it quite hard reading people sometimes, like, I would benefit from that massively. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I think Caroline would chuckle. appreciate that as well. Sensible never, chuckle, yeah. She can never tell when I'm being sarcastic, so I should probably, like, you're always being sarcastic. See. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing that, and then I have also been playing Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Oh, I'm this. <laughs> God, it's been ages since we had a weird one. Do tell. <laughs> you play. Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. One <laughs> thing I feel. <laughs> as a ty- as a little anthropomorphic turnip. And <laughs> you, you, you owe the mayor, who I think is like a carrot or something, or a plum, yeah. maybe. Whatever. Whatever the mayor There's is. Two, two very, very similar things. <laughs> <laughs> Root vegetable yeah. or tree fruit. Um, I don't know. Purple, orange, long, round. Is a fruit or a vegetable. That's all I can give you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you owe thing. him okay. tax money and so you have to do tasks for him to no longer owe him tax money and you wander around the like all the little villages and things and you do all these little tasks and you help out people along the way but also you're like you're you're a bit of a rebel and a renegade um so one of the little side questy things is like one of um like the cat fruit is like can you give the strawberry a love letter and you see the love letter and you tear it up in front of their face Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'm getting this game. <laughs> I was about to make a joke it. about indentured servitude, but it sounds like the turnip deserves it. No, the turnip is adorable. You can get it little hats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has a watering can and a little wooden sword, um, which you use to, you know, attack like snails and stuff that might come after you. Sure. But it's like it, the when you do the where you like rip up a letter or whatever in front of somebody, like one of them's like, "I'm giving you this certificate," and you just rip it up in front of them. This turnip sounds like an arsehole. Yeah, turnip boy is excellent. Don't he's ruining relationships. Yeah, but he also doesn't want to pay taxes, so I can. Yeah, come on. <laughs> it, when you rip up the love letter, though, just one of the things that always stuck out to me is like the carrot goes, "Well, that was rude," and. <laughs> You're like, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> taking it quite well. <laughs> but yes, Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. It is like a little bit platformer. There's a little bit of Metrovania-y type, like, you know, killing things. And, and honestly, some of the bosses, are like, because it's all about timing and things, I have at least twice have had to, like, quit so I can go back later because <laughs> you'll be going along and the game is all lovely and cute and easy and then all of a sudden you'll be like ah why is this angry poisonous reindeer after me um <laughs> why indeed <laughs> please can you stream this yes <laughs> i just just so i know it's actually real 
it's, it's real. real. It's real. It's very real. Um, it's on Game Pass currently, which is how I came to find it and play it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's great. It doesn't take very long. They reckon that the average finish time is three hours, and I swear my playtime has been about six, and I'm still not finished. <laughs> which is either a, 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 a damning indictment of my personal skill, or... <laughs> Just that I'm just having so much fun just running around terrorizing different fruits and vegetables. <laughs> that one. Sure. It's that one. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Well, that took a turn. A turnip. Hey. <laughs> Segway. Um... <laughs> Shall we talk about the game we came here to talk about? What game is that, Sasha? Uh, I think it's Nia. I hope it's near because that's what I've prepared. Oh, and it's going to be very awkward if it turns out to be something else. Well, I was going to talk about Football Manager 2023, so. <laughs> <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Definitely suggesting this for year three. Definitely ignoring you. I feel like we're going to ship that one down. <laughs> so, Nier Automata is a Japanese RPG. Yep, that's right. We're getting weeby in here. <laughs> <laughs> the picture Sasha like raising the roof of her hands there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh no! Now we have a second alternative title. Jesus! <laughs> it's time for me to get my revenge after a year of playing genuinely mostly fine to good. You know, aggressively fine triple a games my time hath come you picked one of them i've 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 forced <laughs> you all <laughs> to play this game um but i genuinely did love it of course uh so it is a jrpg that is published by square or square enix as they i probably prefer to be known it is their name yes <laughs> it is their name they probably would like to be known by their name and it is set in on earth not in earth in the sort of far future a wasteland 11,945 is the year in fact so it's in the very distant future during what's called the 14th machine war humans they have long since fled to the moon amidst an alien invasion and the human made androids they fight the alien made machines in a battle for control of the planet. And if that sounds really dull and samey as everything else you play, that might be in that vein. I can tell you now, it is the weirdest fucking game I've played at the time in a long time. And it feels like that, even that description undersells the weirdness. Whether you liked the game or not, I feel like the sort of the basic description of the plot undersells how fucking weird this game is. It's, it's five year anniversary this year which was kind of how we came to how i managed to drag these three into <laughs> my 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 nonsense although actually becky i think i managed to drag you into it much earlier yeah, I, I finished I, playing it and really liked it so yeah i i played it just after you did mm. so i'm ahead of the the weeb curve quite proudly behind it <laughs> <laughs> i'm adjacent <laughs> adjacent so I think before we, we we before we get the sort of more deeper into it just at a very basic level and then we'll sort of we'll we'll get real talking into the in-depth of this game what did you think i'll allow any of you to tag in i'm sure all of you can't wait to tell me your bad opinions <laughs> i think 
it's aggressively fine. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, hate is such a strong word. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I have complicated feelings about this game where I had a lot of contradictions where at, when I started playing it, there were things that I really liked, but I also really disliked them. So I was very keen to see where it would go. And then it happened. And I was very pleased to eventually not be playing the game anymore. And Andy? I went on... I started being really positive about the game. Like, oh, I really like how it's playing with different like game genres and stuff. And then just the longer I was spent with it, the more I started getting finding things that were irritating me. I can't call it an average game because there's so many brilliant ideas in there, but there's also lots of ideas that I hate. So <laughs> I'm just kind of like floating around, not knowing what to do with myself. But like, I, I, I guess I respect it, even if I didn't necessarily enjoy it. Which I think is honestly probably what Yoko Taro was going for. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Nier very much is a Marmite game. And to be honest, I didn't really expect any of the three of you to like it because I think when we're at our most the things that you guys most love tend to be things that I don't jive with and often the things that I really really love especially these days tend to be the things that you guys don't jive with so I did I was very much prepared for this but it is an extremely Marmite game very yeah yeah I mean reception wise it has a Metacritic score of 89 on PS4 90 on switch or is it on xbox 90 on xbox i think i think its lowest score is 84 on pc and that was actually just for some porting issues which square are quite known for i think um when they make games for consoles (laughs) and port them to pc so i think that's why the pc score is lower but it hovers around 90 amongst the people that like it they love it i think is fair to say and the people that don't like it either really hate it or as you said Andy there's like a begrudging respect for it and I think a lot of that does come from Yoko Taro himself (laughs) and the way he designed the game and the way the story itself unfolds it's really hard I find to so I, I I actually wrote about this last year for filmmakers without cameras I wrote about the philosophy in the game and how I think it's sort of a story of the tragedy of being human. So I obviously really bought into it in a way that I didn't expect to either. But I do find it's a really difficult game to talk about without giving away some of the cooler elements of it. So I guess we'll just say from the bat, probably quite spoilery. Yeah, I don't don't think you can talk about this game without spoiling something on the way. No. Even in general terms. (laughs) No, you, you can't. We do that with most of the games we talk about as well, right? We get into quite a lot of plot stuff, so I think yeah. that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Review. Fine. It's more just, I don't think it's, I think it's really hard to even do, you know, like where you might start with spoiler-free before going into spoilery. I just think yeah. that's like Im- virtually impossible with this game without, you know, doing it really high level. Yeah, I mean, at one point it becomes its own walking spoiler, so. Yes, yeah. it does. It very it's, much does. It's difficult. I think one of the first things that makes the game very marmitey, in my opinion, is the idea of true ending and the ending you're first presented with. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how I had to say to all of you, just keep playing. Like, just trust me, go for a second run. Uh, So the true ending comes, it's, uh, there are 26 endings, A through Z. (laughs) (laughs) And playthroughs A to E are what's classed as the true ending. Playthrough A, you are 2B. 
who is mostly the game's protagonist. She is the sexy android lady with a big sword <laughs> that you will see on most things. If you see anything about this game, it will be pictures of 2B, I think. And a lot of 2B's butts. Yes. Just, just to warn you. Because yes. I tried Googling for a Christmas present for Sasha. I wanted to get you something 2B related. And it's impossible. <laughs> like, it's just I mean, impossible. She has a great ass, to be fair. She does, but, but when it's a mouse mat, it's a bit weird. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Wait, has it got the wrist support? Yep. Is that what it is? Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> yep. I mean, I would not want it, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the thought was there. That I tried. Image. Etsy did, did. near is a very strange place. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Oh, sweet Becky, no. Yeah, yeah. No. My innocence is gone. Are you sure it was a mouse mat and not something else? Oh, no, there's plenty of other things. <laughs> so, yeah, so playthrough A, you are 2B. The game ends, or so you think, but then in playthrough B, uh, you are 9s, or 9S. 9S is 2B's companion, a nerd, frankly. <laughs> the goth Morris dancer. <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent i love it oh but yeah that's her companion scanner unit nines and then you play through from his perspective and then play through c is from sort of antagonist android i guess well some of it some of it's still nines and some of it is a2 who is like a unit that has been an earlier version of the 2B model that's been on Earth for a bit longer. Yeah, so I think C and D, um, it just depends on what part of that bit of ending you get, but you can replay that last bit twice. So you can do it from 9's perspective or A2's perspective. And then you get the final section E, which is the credits, essentially, where it kind of really hammers home the uh, bit more hopeful ending to the game a game which is incredibly nihilistic throughout really but yeah five endings which make up the the true game and judging from the earlier oh yes from chip we have feelings (laughs) about the multiple endings so i guess first things first did everyone do up to the true ending yes no no fair enough but in my defense I, for some reason in my head, I thought C was the true ending. And it wasn't until I finished much later that I was like, oh, fuck, no, it's actually E. And I would, I, I don't know if I want points for this or not, but I put my homework into this. I set aside an hour to two every single day <laughs> before we were originally going to record to play this and make sure I got to what I thought was the actual ending. So I tried really hard and I put the hours into this game. I'm very proud, Chip. Thank you. <laughs> So what did you think, though, of the general concept of multiple ending, surprise, continue of story from different perspectives? I, I don't mind multiple different endings. Like, I play a lot of different games that are like that, but not so many that are like, no, you have to play this game five times to get the actual ending. So I, I, would, I don't mind that as a concept in of itself, but it was kind of the way that it went about it that I didn't really like, being that the ending B is you play the exact same again, like the game again from the start, like none of your progress kind of carries over in terms of like uh, side quests and stuff like that. You have to start them all again and it's from a slightly different perspective because you're the other character. You are um, 9S who is rubbish. So (laughs) (laughs) you're playing a game 
for a second time, but with a less interesting character. I really like 2B, but I don't like 9S. So that's when it started to go down for me slightly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I got to C and I thought uh, A, A2, was that a name? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I thought A2 was a more interesting character as well. So when it came down to a choice between 9S and A2, I was like, well, this is really easy. So <laughs> I went with A2. And then knowing that if I uh, eventually, if I'd have to play the game again, because I'd have to get to E, I'd have to pick 9S. I, I didn't want to do that. And <laughs> I very much was done with the game when I thought I'd got to the real ending. And then the idea of having to play it twice again I, 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 I just didn't I, I didn't want to do it I'm sorry I just I didn't so, want to so only two minor corrections <laughs> okay don't redo side quests you don't they do carry uh, you do yeah I had to start them all again like I was like halfway through some and then when I did there, the run there, there is different ones they are they're slightly different there are certain side quests that you can do only as 2B and certain ones you can do only as 9S and there's certain ones you can do only as A2 I had a spreadsheet. <laughs> there were definitely side quests where but, I did twice. There, there'll be things that you will have repeated from the other yeah. perspective. I, I did stop doing sure, them at that point because I thought that was going to be the case. Mm, yeah, no, it carries differently. But that's fine. Um, no, the only other thing I would say, but it's, it's less a correction and more just that if you ever did want to do playthrough, you'll have done D, I think, if it's A2. I can't remember which way around that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I got three then, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, all I was going to say is, if you ever did want to do which I can tell you don't, and that's fine. But if you're ever curious <laughs> about the, the final bit, because the final bit made me cry. And I think it has a real bombshell of a decision at the end of it. That's really interesting and I've never seen in games before. Anyway, the you don't have to replay the whole thing. If you go into your save, you can pick up from chapter select. Um, so the point at which you pick A2, you just can pick up from there and do the bit with 9S. So that's just useful for listeners as well. If they've done the same thing and they're like, fuck this, I don't want to play the entire game again. You don't have to. <laughs> if you pick up on chapter select from that bit, then you'll get playthrough E. You just have to have got done both 9S and A2's bit at the very end. So Andy, how about you? Because you also didn't finish both enders. Where did you get to in terms of playthroughs A through E? I played through, I completed two runs and then I, I got partway through the third and I just kind of, I was just burnt out from the second playthrough. Mm. I, I, I really enjoyed the first playthrough. Like I was enjoying a lot of it. There was still stuff that was annoying me, like, but it was mostly like game design stuff, like the, op the way it handles open world, like traversal and the way the open world itself was designed. Some, some of the quests just the crap out of me like there was, a, there was a couple of quests that were good i've got these are all these very specific things about me and what i like about open world games and like quests like they were doing things that i don't like so it made that a bit difficult getting through the first run but for the most part i was enjoying it i i really like the combat i really like the like character and like enemy designs at times I, I liked the sense of humour, sometimes I didn't, but for the most part I enjoyed the first run. And then when I realised I had to play it again with 9S, who, as Chip said, is far less interesting than 2B and far less fun to play. I kept, I, I liked the uh, hacking minigame when I first encountered it, but then when I realised I'd have to do that a lot, there's mm. 9S, I was like, oh, oh, I'm getting fucking yeah. sick of this now. <laughs> that this, fucking I'm so done with game. twin stick shooters. Fucking so I, hell. I really missed like the combat as 2B because I, I really quite enjoyed how that handled and how, well, how it just 
looked and felt like it looked, made you feel like a badass. And when you play 9S, you just feel like you're fucking playing uh, some fucking 80s arcade game all the time. It was that there. So it, it got, I think, and because I, I ran into a lot of issues with the prologues when I realized you have to complete the prologue. Mm. There's no save points. And I kept hitting walls on the second prologue. So like <laughs> at one point, the game kind of crashed. Another point, something went wrong with my camera and I couldn't attack people properly, so I died. <laughs> I had to go back to the beginning. It just, there was a lot of stuff that was happening. It's ticking, just ticking away at my patience. <laughs> By the time <laughs> I got through the third like prologue, I was just, and the game started, I was like, ah, oh, I'm... I've put I've put a lot of time into this game when I have I've only enjoyed about half of it. I feel like I'm I'm good now. I'll I'll just read up the rest and like find out about how it ends and things like that. Just get get a feel for what it's trying to do without having to sink any more time into it. Which is entirely fair. Becky, I knew you really hated the <laughs> hacking minigame. Yes. Oh my god. There's one there's one of the side quests where the mini game is really, really, really fucking hard and you get the most pointless reward at the end of it and I've never been so mad with a game <laughs> where I, I must have tried it like 50 times because I was like, it's got to be something good to warrant this <laughs> level of effort and then it was like 50 of the currency or whatever it was and I was like, are you actually fucking kidding me? <laughs> and I had to, I had to walk away from it at that point. This is on my first playthrough, and I don't think I came back to it till for like two days. But yeah, I think that and the ending is kind of it really typifies how I feel about this game. In that, um, so I did get to ending D and E. I did both, um, so I know about the choice that Sasha was talking about at the end. And I really dislike things like books or. Films, TV shows, video games, where the endings feel meaningless. And that's how I felt about this game. So, you know, I got, I think I got like six other of the endings as well out of the 26. One of them is dying in the prologue, uh, which I did a lot. And it was like, every time it happened, I'm like, this is just irritating the fuck out of me. And then I had one where I ate a fish and that was an ending. And I died <laughs> and I had to go back. And I was like, I know that one. Yeah. And I was like, what? Are, you, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you, how, what, how, so a, why, how, what? At one point, what? you get given a fish, I think. Yeah. By um, an NPC. And you eat the fish and it kills you. Yeah. And that's one of the, the endings can't of the game. Eat fish. Why? They can't. But they can't eat anything, can they? The robots. Exactly. That's why. Why do they die? <laughs> like that to me isn't funny. That's just fucking irritating. <laughs> like, I, uh. And then there was another one where, so obviously it's an open world. So I thought I want to go and explore while I'm playing, and I went off as nine S down the wrong path, and that was an ending. And I was like, why is this game punishing me for wanting to play it? Like, and and that's what it felt like. It felt like it was meaningless and nihilistic, and Nothing I did mattered. And it just drove me round the bend because, you know, thing, it's things like, um, you know, like a time travel movie where all the time travel erases everything that's happened in the film and nobody's learned anything. And it's like, what's the fucking point? Um, and that was very much 
the summation of my experience with this game what is the fucking point other than to irritate you and make you miserable and that's how oh, I feel you. about the endings <laughs> I really I really tried and I was the same oh, like, I at, f- at first because I was messaging Sasha all the way through this at first I was really enjoying it and it had this really sort of offbeat vibe that I liked and then again as I progressed more into it and I got more into the the philosophy of it which it beats you around the head with I just I I just lost patience with it and the more I picked up these stupid endings <laughs> and I had like the more all of the letters listed every time I like I opened the game because it shows your endings on the save and every time mm. I saw them I was just like ah <laughs> so because <laughs> it was just a reminder of all the times that I'd failed for no reason like I don't mind failing at a game if I'm not good at it but if it's eating a fish that's it's just annoying or going off down a different path like you can't have an open world game and punish characters for wanting to explore the open world so me and Yokotaro Yoko won't get on like, at all we do not vibe so yeah I, I, I did really try and again like Andy I admire certain aspects of the game I admire a lot of what it's trying to do but it's being so beat you around the head knowing with it like oh aren't I clever that I, it just takes me out of of the game and the experience and yeah that's my rant <laughs> there's probably <laughs> gonna be more <laughs> please may I ask a fish question I, I have another question about the fish mm-hmm. sure uh, is this an ending you can only get if you've got some of the previous endings or can this happen at any time it happens at any time I was on yeah, my first anytime. playthrough Okay, so if I'd have got that, I think I would have been angrier at the game, or just angry at the game, as opposed to just not really vibing with it. Yeah. But I really do hope that there's someone out there who ate the fish and died and thought that was the actual <laughs> ending of the game. I was like, oh, that's rubbish, isn't it? I can't believe that was the end. And then that was all they played of it, because they thought that was the end. I really want that to have happened. I mean, I nearly I nearly put it down. <laughs> I, I was nearly but you like, knew, though. You knew about the different I knew, endings, yeah, right? I did. I did know. Sasha had warned me. But yeah, I think I it's like it's like ending M or something, and yeah, I was so I was just sat there staring at the screen, like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> like, there's been I a lot of swearing already. To I'm this. Sorry. <laughs> and they're like, "What? There's what are these things talking about? <laughs> <laughs> ending what?" Oh, the person oh, who died on the, the prologue and was just like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> yeah, I I, I have such such issues with it but it's such an interesting game to talk about that i can't be like completely angry with it because there's lots to dig into but yeah it's it's not it's not a game to my taste which yeah like like i said it is definitely anytime i read about this game and i frequently do still i always think the thing that comes across the most is just that sort of very um, it, it seems to provoke very visceral reactions in people, whether it's positive or negative. There isn't a lot of mild opinions about it, which, you know, if you've watched anything of Yoko Taro's, um, I guess I like the Japanese version of TED Talks, but he's like talks on how he writes games. Because I should have mentioned probably up front, Nier Automata is a sequel to Nier. I think has been re-released as Near Replicant. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what yeah. that is. Which people now call like, oh, it's a prequel, and I'm, it's like you would you would do well. Actually, <laughs> Near Replicant <laughs> is actually just a redo of Near, the the original, which all of them, of course, are a sequel to Drakengard anyway. So it's like it doesn't really matter. But 
he's I don't done, understand what's happened. He's done <laughs> talks, has Yoko, on how he writes his games. Because I think all of his games, um, and increasingly so, because, you know, a square let the leash loose, I guess. Um, and we're just like, yeah, do it, fuck it, do what you like. You know, his games got weirder. So yeah, you don't get a lot of neutral opinions on the game, I don't think. Especially not from people that spent more than, say, a few hours with it. I think even if you get to just one ending, you're going to have opinions on it. Yeah. Yep. And I'm I'm not, you know, I don't think the gameplay itself is perfect. Um, and I don't think the story at all times is perfect. Some of the side quests are annoying as shit. But I think I got really immersed into the world. I personally liked that the open world was quite small. I mean, I barely think it's an open world game. It's not It's very, to be fair, I find it weird when I see it written down as being an open world game. Because I'm always like, no, it's an RPG, but it's not open world. Like, yeah. it's, no, it's not. No, It's a lot of small maps stitched together. Yeah. yeah. There's only really one way to get to places. It's not and, proper And the open story world. is very linear. Like, there is a cutoff point, as there are with any of these games, usually. Like, there's a point of no return where it's like, if you have things you want to do, you need to finish them before this point. But it's, it is a very linear tale. And as you say, it's, it's small, lots of, lots of maps stitched together rather than, you know. And very linear maps as well. Like, there's yeah, not there's a only... lot to do. <laughs> yeah, because I've tried to take shortcuts through, like, holes in buildings and I've run into an invisible wall. Yeah. Yes. Even though it looks like... <laughs> yeah, I can't jump up a building that I could jump up in other places. I'd be like, okay, fuck you. Why are you doing this to me? That's, I was another, one at it with... that's a, another one of the endings I've just remembered. Taking too long to get to a place. If you take oh, too long, the game just ends. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That <laughs> might be a specific quest, though. I it, know which one you're talking it about. It is. Specifically the quest. And I guess what's different there, because typically in a game... The main story quest, or whatever you call it, that's just what they call it. Yeah, she's exactly... The main story quest, you have all the time in the world to get to the main story, but actually this has some which are time-bound, where it's like, this thing is happening in this world, you have to deal with it now. But it doesn't tell you that. No, it doesn't. Which is the issue. Like, most, so most missions like that in other games will say, you have, like, it won't let you do anything else. You just have to go. And me being me, I get distracted by anything. Like, oh, there's a thing over there. And then the game ends. I was like, oh my God, stop punishing me for being curious. And I think that maybe, and I only say this because obviously the more I play JRPGs and things, I think a thing that definitely stands out to me compared to, say, like a AAA, well, not even AAAs, but just compared to some Western games, I don't think they there's there's not really any hand holding which isn't to suggest that you need it or anyone needs it you know what i mean but i think if you're used to western gameplay which i was as well but i think if you're used to that i think this sort of distinct lack of telling you these things like yeah it took me a long time to realize that you need to save so after that i became obsessed with always going to save points that feels like a relic of the past yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's um, uh, I, was annoying as fuck. But. Yes, <laughs> I guess to explain, it's not the the lack of hand holding that I have the issue with. I'm I'm fine with working stuff out as I'm going along. That that doesn't really bother me. Yeah, and played uh, Elden yeah, Ring. Uh, yeah, exactly. And Elden Ring is obtuse <laughs> as fuck. Um, <laughs> but it it's the it's the it's the consequences that I have issues with. Like it 
it punishes you for being a certain type of gamer, I think, in a way, or approaching games in a certain way. And that's how it feels. And I think because the whole game is very nihilistic, which we'll get onto later, I'm sure, that it feels... It just it feels like it has quite a nasty edge to it. I think is is what I'm getting at, which and then I mean just me personally. I you know, obviously other people will have and you've had very different experiences with this kind of gameplay, but for me it it just felt like you had to play a very specific way, otherwise you weren't allowed. Yeah, it just didn't work for me as a gameplay aspect, which is you know obviously it's absolutely fine were there aspects of the gameplay that you did like and that's kind of open question to the three of you really i think andy's touched on it already i love 2b's combat 2b's combat is stupidly fun as a hack and slash yeah the hack and slash is excellent i I kind of enjoyed the combat but i felt like i lost 2b quite a lot as well um, because it's so fast and so frantic that there were times where i was like i don't feel like i've got a style or a tactic with this game because it is just you know hack and slash but at least i don't know like there was no I, I didn't really know what i was doing i was only playing on easy as well just to get through the game so that probably didn't help i just felt like just spamming the button was enough the lot of time so it was like it was really fun to start but then the more i played it the less i liked it and then yeah the twin stick shooter stuff just completely had enough of that by the end um i did like i Initially, early on, I liked the changing of perspectives, the way it switched into like, you know, there was like, it goes into like a 2D kind of platformer sort of thing yeah. as well, and like an on rails kind of thing. Yeah. I thought that was quite cool at the start. Um, I like some of the bosses, or the first one I liked at least. Yeah, there was, there was things in there that I, I was a fan of. I, I liked the, at first, I liked the switching play styles, the way it went from like yeah. a Raiden style vertical scrolling shooter to a twin stick shooter to like something more kind of like Star Fox. I thought that was really exciting before you even got to the main game itself. I thought, wow, they're just throwing genres at me before they even got to the, the core play style of the game. But even then, there isn't strictly a core play style because it, like Chip said, it does sometimes switch to like side scrolling uh, 2.5D platform stuff. It kind of reminded me of this old PlayStation 1 game called Pandemonium. Which like that that's I think that was one of the first games I remember in that style, so I, I I liked a lot of the stylistic stuff about how it was presenting the game to me. I did enjoy the combat. I I liked the drawn gun. I thought that was a fun addition to, like you could start getting a bit experimental with that. Like when you were getting a bit fed up of just doing the light and heavy attacks, you could mix it up a bit. I thought that was nice. I also like that I got to shoot a moose to death. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Get a clip that out of context. <laughs> just, I saw a moose just walking around. I thought, I'm going to try and kill that. And I ran over and shot it, and I got some moose meat out of it, so I was happy with that. <laughs> moose meat. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what I was expecting to get from an exploded moose, but yeah, moose meat. <laughs> Useless I... to an android, though. Useless to an android, except as currency. There were quests that you sure. could trade it in as currency. <laughs> I think. I think for me as well, as much as I had my issues with it and how angry it made me, I really do admire the ambition of it. Like, it swings big. I don't think it's successful personally. I know, Sasha, you have a very different uh, point of view. But I, I will always appreciate art that swings for the fences, even if it happens to hit me on the way. 
so you know there there is that as well um that i do like about it it's fucking weird and unapologetically so and i have to admire that that's that's something you do get specifically from like japanese gaming authors like mm-hmm. they they will they don't apologize for how off-putting they can be sometimes yeah <laughs> like, I, I mean I, lo- I love Hideo Kojima and he like just he's been fucking with people since like like 20 years ago 30 years ago it's just you know it's, it's something I'm used to it's like it, and you admire it because they just don't try and bend to what they expect what they think the audience wants they just give yeah. the audience what they want to give them yes whoever whoever's still holding on by the end of it they're they're the ones and the other people who fall off you know fuck you at least I do, I do admire a lot of the, uh, yeah, like Becky says, the the ballsy chances the game takes, even if I don't like all of them. Yeah, I mean, when I wrote about it, you've also basically essentially said it. I put it as a talking point anyway, and it feels like it's naturally leading into this. But Yoko Taro is a troll. Yes. He also yes. is. A, I do believe he is an author in quite a um, pure sense, just in that sense of what you said there. He has made a game that he wanted to make. <laughs> Fuck the rest yes. of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like. Yes, I felt that when I was playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Nier games look like Nier games and nothing else. And I say this as someone who. Um, so there is a Nier crossover in Final Fantasy, um, a, raid, a raid series. And the size of a game like Final Fantasy and like the 14 to be clear i think that probably was but just in case (laughs) the size of it and that you know in spite of the fact that they have all the different worlds and all the different things that kind of has a theme and a vibe throughout you know it's still cohesive it's one thing and the neo series red series still stands out and looks like and is near which is to say from the boss mechanics in the raid it's still one of the hardest raid series is in final fantasy 14 that kind of what is it they call it like sepia tones like it's a, it's a lot more muted mm. but mm. but and very industrial in you know its look well we say that is there's obviously you either have the android base which is all extremely white and pristine and everything's curved edges then there's the the earth world which is obviously just like a a, a barren wasteland filled with crumbling buildings but it's all it's still all very muted in its colors and it's somehow still in like final fantasy 14 <laughs> there's a mobile game that looks the same and it's just a thing that i realized and when i picked up replicant it's just that thing of like his games are quite noticeable i think in that i reckon i could play other games like if he brought other things out you'd you'd know what to expect in terms of a color scheme a vibe <laughs> Which to me is is kind of auteurish, which is without, you know... Like, where I would say I stand Yoshi P, which I do, from a Final Fantasy perspective. I don't know that I can say the same about Yoko Taro, but I admire him a hell of a lot. And I think he's made a very, very interesting game. And I think the stuff that comes out of it, even to this day, like, there's always new stuff around it and there's going to be an anime soon. And I'm intrigued by it all <laughs> and how it all ties in. God lord. <laughs> it's just a fish and it's five minutes long and then they all die <laughs> so one of the visuals is one of those things that i had quite contradictory feelings about mm. because I, I liked them 
but at the same time, I thought they were really drab and boring. I because I had to look up for when this game was made, and I was actually quite surprised that it was only five years because it it to me it looked like an older game. Yeah, uh, and possibly just graphically, but also in the design of stuff as well. I was so. I still don't know. I, I still haven't fallen on either side of like, do I like the way it looks or do I not? Like, I really don't know. I really don't. I ended up changing my mind because my first playthrough, I was like, oh, this is really interesting and sepia and ooh. And then when I was playing it again for the pod, which I didn't get very far into because I remembered all the things that annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when I started the next time, I've, I think I'd been playing Cyberpunk. Or something equally like vibrant and colourful, and going from that back to Denier was just like, oh, oh, this is not a feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's interesting in tone for for what the the game is doing. But yeah, I I, I kind of come down on like once you've kind of seen the visuals and then gone back to something else, it it doesn't quite hold up. No. I like the character designs. I like how the machine, the machine designs are really fun. Like they're mm. very different to what you'd expect mm. in this kind of game. You expect them to look kind of big and bulky and intimidating, and they're kind of just these little short round dudes for the most part, and kind of bumbling about a bit. And they, I mean, they can put up a fight. I can but, relate. But like they're not, <laughs> they, they kind of subvert your expectation of what you would see happen. What what you'd see fighting in a machine war, basically. I enjoyed those. I didn't like any of the like world designs i thought it was very cut and paste like every area kind of just you could i couldn't navigate an area just by like walking through it. i'd have to keep checking the map and stuff because i wouldn't have no idea where i was because every, everywhere looked exactly the same and that bit in the desert i uh, i was absolutely lost for parts i was like shit where yeah. am i going <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of like this thing thing with like japanese rpgs like usually expect like a lot of thought put into the world design and i never got that from this like with the final fantasy games you arrive in an area and like wow and like you get a sense of like the time and the place and the history and all sorts of things like that and i know it's a post-apocalyptic thing but like games like the last of us still manage to create a sense of place and give you an idea of what's happened there and while making it visually interesting whereas i feel like the world here was very samey and kind of beige it didn't mm. match like the thought that had been put into all the characters really it was a bit of a jarring thing for me i, th- I think this conversation's helped me decide and what i've decided is that i like the aesthetic but i don't like the visuals mm. that mm. makes sense to me now thank you guys i appreciate that You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so i would agree on the world that actually was one of my issues was that everything it's it is hard to navigate for how small it is especially mm. like even i someone who can hyper focus and really grip onto and work out like even i was a bit like where am i what am i doing at times but i and again i think it's just very anomaly not a thing i go for at all as an aside i just want to make that clear but this obviously piques my interest enough that it didn't matter really but it is a game that rewards the more side quests you do, the more of like the old world, like books and notes and things you found, like the collectible treasures and things like that. The more of that you did, the the more you got back from it. And, and, and it's such a shame really, because afterwards you realize there was so much effort put into the, the law of what happened 
but they didn't make it easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Or fun, I didn't find either. Like, I found like a lot of the side quests were just very fetch questy, like overall. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason, like, not only just repeating them, but a lot of reason I stopped doing them is because they felt very samey as well. Some of yeah. them are really sad. So, I guess as we're going through that storytelling, I'm kind of going to flip some of my notes around a little bit just on the androids and the machines. So, set up at the front, it's uh, set up as you're in a proxy war. The, the androids are called the Yorha. It's never been revealed what that stands for, by the way, because Yokotaro yeah, is a troll. <laughs> Nobody knows what it actually stands for. Uh, but, you know, they have the, for the glory of mankind, they were, which is such a human thing, right? That feels very <laughs> like something we would do. Like, we've created <laughs> these androids to battle machines and for the glory of mankind. In my head, that was what these humans were, who originally built the androids. Um, and the machines are alien built. So it was an alien invasion. And they, they built machines. I guess now is as good a time as ever to sort of just discuss what <laughs> what actually is revealed. I can't even remember which ending it is anymore. That bit has definitely all muddied into one bit for me. But it is kind of really signposted and feels... It wasn't a huge surprise to me particularly as such. But then it made the way all of these things are acting around it... A, incredibly sad, but B, also quite interesting, which is that the humans are long extinct. So the Yorha have just carried on battling machines for the glory of mankind, but there is there is no mankind, that they don't exist anymore. And the machines who, you know, got built and taken to Earth to, to battle for Earth on behalf of the aliens, the aliens are gone as well. Because it, it kind of turns out that really, um, you know, those of us who are squishy and not artificial, <laughs> we die. <laughs> like, death is a thing that happens <laughs> um, to mortals, doesn't to these machines, doesn't to the androids. And the androids have the thing, obviously, um, it's, it's really early on they do that self-destruct, the big suicide at the start when their memories are just backed up to the, you know, the big space hub thing that I've forgotten the name of, and you're just put into a new 2B body because it would turn out that, you know, all the 9S machines will look the same, all the 2Bs will look the same, all the A2s will look the same. It's just a machine type, uh, an android type, and their memories are just planted in the next one and they continue about their days. And and you have then the machines, which have been on Earth for heck knows how long, and I think then you kind of, you can see that, can't you? That sort of, that rusting, that like, that weird twitching that they all kind of do. Like they're not quite they're together anymore. And they're, yeah. they're kind of meant to be hive mind, aren't they? But their hive minds have fractured a bit and they've all split off into all these little different colonies. And I titled it in my article of, it's, it's all about, you know, searching for meaning in a meaningless world. But that's what's really sad about it, isn't it? <laughs> Because, you know, all of the fleshy stuff left, um, <laughs> left them all behind. Please fleshy. No, we need some levity. <laughs> they all got left behind. Did you know these androids and these machines? And for what? What are they fighting for? What are they doing anything for? And it sort of it felt like a really interesting view. Like you know, when life for if a life form can't die what is it what like what is life then fetch quests well yeah that but like 
like, because you talked about, oh, when you're walking around and the enemies, but I found the more I played the game, the less I wanted to fight the machines. Like, I felt tight (laughs) (laughs) as you realise what's happening. Um, And especially when you meet, like, there's the amusement park. Oh, my God, the amusement park. The first time I entered there and the music kicks up and they're sort of pseudo-friendly machines. That's the one bit of the world I loved. I loved the theme park because that felt like a lot of thought and time had gone into designing something that was kind of uncanny light in this world. There was lots of colour and, you know, like you said, the machines, the the tone of everything shifts when you go to the theme park. Mm. And it's one of, it is one of the the parts of the map that I felt was way more immersive and also riding the roller coaster was really fun. <laughs> yes, it is. And right after that, you then meet Pascal. Yeah. And their colony of good machines. Uh, machines that don't want to fight. All of that just kind of, I don't know, it did something to me. Even before I really started twigging onto how much it was going to beat you over the back of the head with philosophy. <laughs> but but I still thought it was interesting because it it's really blatant and obvious, but it was still a reflection of... The humans were, um, the androids are made in humans' eye, right? So they were a bit more religiously inclined, I felt. Yeah. Like, 2B talks about God, um, or a God, you know, not necessarily in a positive light as such, but just the idea of deities is amongst the androids. But they were created in humans' eyes, or as perfect mirrors of us in theory. You kind of get that sense. Uh, versus machines that were sort of, you know, just hive mind creatures that were built by aliens to fight their war for them and then when they got left behind what they've done is just picked up culture and philosophy from what was left behind by humans really but they took the other side of it (laughs) that much more philosophical approach and i think that's how you ended up with all those different little weird colonies well the, the whole thing is that the machines end up being more human than the androids don't they really yeah like that's what yeah it's trying to get at is that you know the androids have lost touch with humanity despite looking and sounding like them the, the machines are trying to approximate living like a life they try to find ways to find meaning through life mm. uh, whereas the, the androids are very much focused on god that they, they deal with that they're focused very much on serving god whereas machines are finding meaning by just trying to work out how to live like a person basically and they're not entirely good at it but they're trying their best bless them i like that thing with the the machines in the castle that appoint a king with the baby king mm. and they realize it's a baby machine it's never going to grow up to be their king because <laughs> it's like think they keep bashing their heads against reality but they keep trying to find ways to like just be something other yeah. than what they used to be because now their masters aren't here anymore. They have to find some new meaning for themselves. And it's very difficult for them because they're not bright. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> not. Again, can relate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chips. Stop it. You are bright. You're a you shining rusty, star. <laughs> <laughs> like a 40-watt bulb. <laughs> that goes off occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about light bulbs. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think this is where... It's where I had the most emotional connection, certainly with the Pascal storyline, because I think 
it was all a bit too wink wink nudge nudge uh, philosophy uh, for me to really get emotionally connected to like 2B or 9S or you know anything else that was going on but the Pascal storyline is really tragic and really sad where fear becomes well literally incapacitating despite their best efforts and yeah I, I, I liked the Pascal thing because it felt like it was the only time when the themes actually clicked into the gameplay and connected rather than existing as kind of a a framework around which Yoko Taro was running around and doing his weird stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the the Pascal sequence, the the fairground and Pascal kind of had the whole game been operating at that level where it it manages to to combine the themes with story with gameplay. I think it would have been far more successful as a whole, but I think there's so much going on that there's that tension going on between those three areas all the time, which leads, you know, to the kind of the aggressive, like thematic stuff of the philosophy kind of overshadowing the the quieter moments like the baby King and Pascal and, you know, Simone's whole, whole deal. So, so I did want to talk about Simone because Chip, I think Simone is the boss that you're referring to earlier when you said there is a boss that was great. And by chance, was it the boss that has assimilated various androids and machines in an attempt to make herself beautiful? And it's the monster in the big dress, but the dress that's like made out of androids. No. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> I... The, the, the boss I really liked is the first one you fight um, because that's when I was more engaged with the game. Still, Angles. I was kind of checking out by the time I got to the opera one. I liked, I thought, because you learn about her backstory when you do the second run, right? Yeah. Um, yes. There's these little flashes back. And the first time I got there, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was really confused about what was happening. But by the time I started to learn about her backstory, I was like, okay, that's that's quite cool. That's actually like a little narrative that's being told there. I, I, I like that. But I was so not engaged with this game that everything I kind of understood about it, all the philosophy and like the backstory of this this boss and stuff like that was very surface level for me. I was like, oh, yes, I understand. But emotionally, I wasn't invested in it at all. And, this, and you're right, this was probably the closest I got to that because I was like, I, I, I like that. I like the way that's been designed. But I think where I was coming from was I was almost resenting the fact I was having to replay <laughs> the whole thing again uh, at that really, point. So it yeah. was like, you could have told me this the first time round, that it would have been so much better. It's, it's interesting. The playthroughs A and B, they are necessary because 9S does add something in playthrough be in my opinion he adds the emotional he, he adds that emotional heavy lifting of because you know because he can hack the machines so you get to see a bit more of their motivation more of their backstory and i just always remember simone as being incredibly heartbreaking and again it's another example of a boss that the first time you play oh she's a boss and it's a boss fight and at times really difficult one and then on the second playthrough and you get her motivation and the little text story. I loved the little text stories that they did. And you realise that it's just utterly heartbreaking, her backstory. And again, it's that thing where I'm like, oh, I almost don't want to kill her anymore. Yeah. But I have to. And I, I think I'd love it if the game pushed that side of things a bit more rather than trying to browbeat you with the, the philosophy side of things actually playing into the mon the, the monsters that 
was a Freudian slip, actually playing into the machine's humanity and, you know, teasing that out more. I think it, it just, it worked a lot better than, hey, the Engels is a factory, do you get it? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, yeah, just to list off some of the, <laughs> some of the philosophy, <laughs> uh, there's the ship of Theseus, which was always going to be in there. To be fair. Yeah. But that's like the first time you see it, which is in the first camp, the android who like you, it's the first fetch quest you do where you have to go get their yeah. leg or get a leg, get them a new leg. Um, and then they're like, they don't actually want to install it. Because, yeah, they just want to like. Because it would be the last piece of them that they've replaced. And it's the, the very obvious, obvious ship of Theseus, isn't it? It's yeah. it, They're like, if I fit this, then am I the same android I was before? That's the last remaining piece of me. But yeah, there's the ship of Theseus. There's Engels, of course, the first boss, who is a big factory. <laughs> I mean, on the nose doesn't even begin to cover it. It's like the entire <laughs> face. <laughs> um, there's Ernst, who is the first king of the Forest Kingdom. Uh, the primary name in utopianism, which makes sense for the Forest King and their little yep. utopia that they attempt. There's Simone de Beauvoir. Simone de Beauvoir, which is Simone we were just talking about. There's Nietzsche... Confucius, uh, there's even Lousy, I don't know how to say that one, but the founder La- of Taoism. Laozi, I think. I may okay. be entirely butchering <laughs> that. Um, there's also Jean-Paul Sartre, who is the cuntiest of the machine life forms that are pacifist. <laughs> As he like, he's a pacifist. Exactly! But like, <laughs> it's so on the nose. But yeah, the, the thing I always remember with the... Uh, with the Simone is when because she cries at you throughout the fight to look at her but the actual this was one of the points where I thought the actual like you said though this is where the game actually interacts with the philosophy right because Mm. she's screaming at you to look at her but the game's angles prevent you from doing so yeah like you cannot look at her because of their way it's intentionally designed that way you can't look at her and, you know, the, in the little side story, you know, there's the quote that I gaze into the mirror in its reflection. I see only my own meaningless. And so I scream. And then she's screaming. She's kept modifying herself and painting herself. And she wears that elaborate dress and sings. And Jean-Paul Sartre does not give a shit. <laughs> As he didn't in life. As he did in life. With, you know, Simone Beauvoir. It's a very, it's super obvious. But also, I just really liked that little attention to detail. With that little bit of, you know, yeah, and also, also dug a Simone, bit deeper. <laughs> Simone de Beauvoir's whole quote was like, one is not born, but rather is made a woman. And obviously Simone has tried to make herself a woman out of androids. Like, it, and it's not, it's subtle enough that if you know, you know. But obviously, like, Engels is just, it, I keep coming back to that one because as soon as I clocked it, it was a factory. <laughs> I couldn't stop rolling my eyes. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the Simone de Beauvoir one is, is actually a really subtle exploration of her kind of, of that idea of, of being made a woman and being made a human woman in this case. And, you know, as you said, like, the screaming and you can't look at her. Like, it's just, that's really clever. And clever in a a sort of a general way rather than a wink wink nudge nudge I'm so smart kind of way yeah yeah which yeah. the rest of the game is doing um so I think that's that's a really good one like to dig into and talk about whereas the rest I don't think have that same depth it's just her huh, Engels communism labor 
<laughs> Get it? Yeah. Pascal is named after Blaise Pascal. Yes. Of yeah. Of the wager fame. Yeah. If God exists, a believer will have payoffs and have none. But, you know, if God doesn't exist, a believer doesn't lose anything. Um, they just lived a life virtuously versus, you know, if God exists and you didn't live virtuously, you would go to hell. But if he didn't exist, you know, yeah, fair enough, you lived a selfish life. But And obviously that's the whole Pascal teaching the younger followers in mm. their little village, Pascal's village. But as you said, it's that teaching with fear. And then just the last ones I just wanted to mention was the Kierkegaard, which is the last of the machine life forms you kind of see, at least in the first section. And that whole Pope-like figurehead and, you know, the whole become as God, which I yeah. think is a direct quote. Yeah, I think from that right. philosophy. So it's all very on the nose, but I think the Pascal and the, I think Pascal and Simone are really cleverly done. Yes, yeah, I would agree, and uh, most importantly, subtly done. <laughs> which I I think obviously the rest of the game isn't that subtle, uh, which makes those moments really special. So Chip, you liked Engels at the start. Was it just because it's insanely difficult, and also it's a big ass monster? Well, I played it on easy, so it wasn't difficult. It was really easy. Um, uh, no, it just... I was just very hopeful when I started playing the game. And I was like, I enjoyed the spectacle of it. And the opening kind of reminded me of Final Fantasy VII in some ways as well. So, you know, maybe it was always doomed to fail in that sense. But um, it, it was something that I remember enjoying about the game. So I think that's why it stuck around most of all. Like, I quite I quite liked the the presentation of mm. it. Um, if even if the combat was a little difficult, if I I knew I would have died loads of times if I played that on any higher difficulty, so it it just stood out as a positive thing for me because it was a point where I was still engaged with the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the cinematic kind of presentation of that boss, but I think I liked Simone the best as a boss, like just conceptually and how they designed it for, for the reasons like Becky and Sasha said. It's I think that's probably the most effective boss battle in the game. But I do, I did really enjoy the angles fight. Just it was a really good way of like pulling you into the game. Think, oh shit, this is gonna be large scale craziness. Mm. Like they're not messing about. They've got they've got a literal means of production like attacking you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bit. Un- I liked the. I kind of liked that it wasn't subtle at that point in the game, but it started getting a bit. Like it, sometimes it, you don't want to be subtle. Sometimes you just want to punch someone in the face with meaning. <laughs> yeah. So, it gets really eye-rolly as you go on, but there are still the sort of moments, like you mentioned, the baby that can never grow up. Uh, did any of you speak to Engels when he yeah. became a side quest? Yeah, I did. Lads, either I of you? don't think so. No, I don't. I feel like I you'd remember. remember if you did. It's a... Is he the one we have to find all the bits for? Yes. I didn't find all the bits. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I did not find the he bits. He's bitless. Oh, oh Engels. So you did, Becky. What were your thoughts? I can't remember. I just know that I did. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, it's been a while. To be fair. It has been a while. It has been a while. I didn't get that far in my second playthrough. So Engels is another one. So yeah, so you collect the different bits for Engels, I guess, to repair him, or one of the Engels, because there's a there's a couple of them, and he is his story ends up being like just another one of those again this is that the more you talked to the actual machine life forms as you went through um you realize how that abandonment well it wasn't really abandonment i suppose it's not 
you can't blame the aliens for ceasing to exist but you know that how it affected them in their different ways it was that thing of you know the Engels was very much a Hulk smash because it's what I was programmed to do uh, but you know as as he's dying there and you collect all the bits and then he's kind of like I'm gonna use this essentially to power down like for good oh yes I remember now and it's that thing where you're just like oh that's really sad and there's quite a few machine life forms as you go around. There's androids as well, but I don't think the androids are always as hopeless, I guess. And I guess it's that kind of, again, it's that, what you said, Becky, like, ultimately the machine life forms are actually more human than the androids that were, you know, modelled on humanity, in theory. Yeah. Because they 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 exist in, a, it's like, it's that argument, isn't it, that one of the things that gives us meaning in life is that life isn't endless. And that's taken away for machine life forms because their life is endless and they can't even, they can't raise, you know, the, they can't raise the baby king. And there's all kinds of these little nods to that you realise that actually they're just searching for meaning a I lot of the time. I just remembered the ones that are attempting to have sex in the rooms yep. in the desert. Yeah. That's just yeah. popped yep. back into my head. <laughs> yep. Horrifying image, truly. Yep, Truly. When you're walking through, Literally you're like, oh no. Yeah, just clanging smooth surfaces against each other. <laughs> Again, I can relate. <laughs> oh no. Chip! Oh dear. It's not a oh dear! <laughs> not a Is that when they introduced Adam? Yes. Yes. Yeah, my note for Adam was just like, I called him the sexless Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is just assuming that Sephiroth has a cock, because... Oh, he absolutely fucks. I've never seen it. But I'm just wondering whether his sword is overcompensating more than we thought. Like, But like, I started getting sidetracked with my notes there, so I had to stop suddenly. <laughs> That's a different article. Just get fixated on Sephiroth's penis. Like, what size is Sephiroth's penis? Coming soon to oneuppod.com. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that now. Versus Cloud, yes. remember. Small. What did you think of Adam and Eve, but ultimately Adam? Eve is also a dude. Which I did kind of like Adam and Eve as the main antagonists. They like hang around on like tables a lot. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I did like the fights mostly. Uh, uh, I, they, the, the last one pissed me off because it went on forever. And I just I didn't really feel anything for them, like at all. Fat. No. Like I That's, like no. I just they were there. They and were they were very the, amongst the least interesting things in the game. Yeah. I and again, it was kind of that, like, hey, look at me doing theology. Ta-da! Thing. Which I just, yeah. I don't think they did theology very well. <laughs> no. In comparison, like, philosophy, up to a certain point, they did make that interesting, but the theology side of things was was not. It, it just was noise, really, for <laughs> a lot of that side of the story. I did enjoy how Eve died. I kind of jumped out of my chair when that happened. It's like, oh yeah, that was a big the sword, like sword through the back of the head. So yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I had no investment in the character dying, but I did enjoy how they died. So I thought it was worth it in the end. I wasn't like during the fight. Some enjoyment. The fight was going on forever, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not that interested in beating you, but I have to. And then when the way they died, well, okay, it was worth it. <laughs> Even though I had no input into that, I was like, yeah, good. That was a good cutscene. I just thought they were kind of rubbish. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I like 
there's a lot of things in this game that because I didn't vibe with it, it just felt really unearned for me. Mm. Like these two as like I don't know, like the antagonists, like they felt like they were gonna be the big bads, but they're not really around that much. Obviously you learn more about them the more you play the endings and the different endings you get and stuff, but I just I just didn't really care about either of them. And that was a problem with the game overall for me was just the amount of like emotional, huge emotional story beats. So I was just like, oh yeah, that was the thing. Like the primary example is uh, I laughed my butt off in the scene when 2B has to kill 9S. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> and rather than use her big sword to just, you know, cut his head off and kill him instantly, she fucking strangles him. <laughs> like, the most, like, slow, painful death. You, like, ah, oh, my friend is like, oh, just take 10 minutes to do this. This will be absolutely fine. I, just make sure you suffer a little bit more, you little prick. There you go. I, I laughed my ass <sighs> off that whole thing. That... Remind, so funny. It reminded me of the fret level midnight episode of The Office. When Michael Scarn is strangling yeah. Oscar's character with a towel and it goes on for an uncomfortably long time, but then it keeps going to the point where it's funny again. I was just like. I, part of me was just thinking, this has to be on purpose. This has to be funny on purpose. You must know this scene isn't earned entirely so let's just really lean into the <laughs> melodrama of it by having her strangle this kid to death for like about five minutes or something i don't know i lost track of time it was the most connected it was the most connected i felt towards it because i was like i don't like 9s either to be yeah you strangle that annoying little shit I, i'd i'd push i'd his socks are too high i'd like push to be out the side and say i'll take care of this did you lean into then the where she's just very annoyed by his presence most of the time like that's what it felt like like, yeah shut up nines like (laughs) yeah who brought who asked you to come along fuck off little hacking prick pull your socks down for christ's sake (laughs) oh dear so like who did you find you empathized with then androids or machines machines yeah machines i think the kinds of things i said like they're trying to find meaning like when there's no meaning at all they're making the best of it they're doing they're trying to recreate things that they know living people did like the theme park like they try to capture these moments and i like i just thought it was all very endearing even if it's kind of janky and not quite right i didn't feel a whole lot for the the androids but i think that might be because they're the androids were more represented by like specific characters, and I only connected to maybe 2B, whereas the machines are more of a just a monolith. Like there's, they're they're representing something rather than characters in their own right. So it was a lot mm. easier for me to to connect to them because th- there was nobody really irritating <laughs> among them. <laughs> there was no 9S to drag it all down to them. I guess. You leave my boy alone. It's a sweet boy. He was dressed a bit no. like he was going to somebody's wedding. He was the page boy and the, he was really <laughs> cross about how he was dressed. But that might be just me thinking about how I used to, had to dress for my uh, auntie's wedding. That might be just a bit of trauma attached to that, maybe. Yeah, 2021 was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I don't know. Those socks oh, were uncomfortable. Yeah, the gothic Lolita fashion in the game is something. It's... And that is definitely going to be a thing where you're either here for it or you're not. Nope. I obviously was super here for it. No, nope. but... <laughs> There's a lot of cosplayers that like it. It's a very popular... Like, 2B is a very popular character among cosplayers. So is I... 9S, to be fair. I went Why? to Thought Bubble <laughs> in, in November 
and I saw a 9S and I didn't see a 2B. Or not 2B. She ran away. (laughs) (laughs) I've been dying, I've been trying to get that in like for the whole episode. (laughs) Yeah, I gave up like about 10 minutes into the episode. I'm never going to manage this. (laughs) Just have faith. Andy. I don't have the patience, obviously, <laughs> proven by the fact that I quit halfway through the, the third day game. <laughs> yeah, I think I th- the worst one for me is A2 because she's just naked. <laughs> Pretty much. Come on, just put it back in your pants and play a video game, please. I'm trying, all right? <laughs> is that the new outro for us? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign up on that. Wow. Uh, Wait, is this game supposed to work? (laughs) It's infecting everything. (laughs) Were there any standout characters for you outside of 2B? And, you know, outside of the main main three, you could even class Pascal, but I'm going to allow Pascal as an answer. Was there any standout side characters for you out? Outside I'll, of I'll the have three. Pascal then. <laughs> they Pascal. Seem, yeah. yeah. They, they they seem all right. Yeah, Pascal and Simone. Really. Pascal and Simone. Which, which we talked about. The, they're the only ones that like have depth, really. Did you meet Emil? Who? Neil. Oh, Emil. Emil. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, there I is a character called Neil. I was like, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> yes, did you meet Neil? <laughs> Uh, no, we're Neil. not talking about Final Fantasy VII, specifically the playthrough Chip did. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, Emil. I, I did, yes, but his mask freaked me out so much that I never spoke <laughs> to him again. Because I have a real thing oh, about wow. masks. And he showed up and I was just like, fuck no, and ran off in the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Emil mask is freaky as fuck. And it's... that is, of course, what Yoko Taro wears. You don't very often see Yoko Taro out doing things not Ooh, wearing he's so the edgy. Emil head. I know. <laughs> it's such a wanky thing to do. So wanky. wanky. <laughs> but then there's, like, the other... I do sometimes see, like, I'm being... I, the only that I might allow is just on the other side of... Because I know some other artists that will often just work from behind a mask... Um, and a lot of it is steeped in anxiety as well. If you wanted to be on the kinder side of things, but generally it is quite wanky. I think. Um, but he, game... he started wearing the mask long before. So Emil is a character from Replicant or Nia, just the first one. Yeah, I was just going to say if if the the game wasn't so wanky, I probably wouldn't think the mask <laughs> move was wanky. But there's just a lot of wankiness going on around his whole thing. There is. There is. <laughs> Especially his wanking. <laughs> oh. So, back in the pants, Chip. <laughs> so, Chip and Andy, did you meet Emil? Interact with Emil much? I uh, yes, I met. Yeah, I met Emil. It just it made me think of um, that movie Frank. Yes, Michael yeah. Fassbender. Just like, is, is he wearing this mask because he's just very nervous? Is this Michael Fassbender again? <laughs> I wish it was Michael Fassbender. So, the most unhinged character in the game, which is huge <laughs> considering all the unhinged characters in the game Emil is definitely a standout for me and I'm really keen to finish Replicant so that I can sort of understand more of that backstory on Emil because you get a little bit of it so uh, the gist the sense you get from Emil is that he was there when the androids first came and when the machines first came to earth 
So Emil isn't a machine life form, at least as far as I could tell. He sort of precludes a lot of that. Um, like I say, he was around in Replicant, which Replicant is like the original story of humans dying, essentially. So there's um, Deviler and Popola. I don't know if you bumped into the twins. I well, did, you will have yeah. done because they're yeah. main character story. They're main story characters. Um, so they're from Replicant as well. Again, some of the oldest life forms in the game. Um, so if you spend any time doing side content with them characters, you get a lot more of that lore and background, which obviously if you weren't feeling it, and that's absolutely fine, but you, you're not going to give a shit anyway. But <laughs> there is a lot of interesting stuff in there as well, especially because they were around when humans were, when humans were still walking the earth kind of thing, which I thought added an interesting perspective of how they've kind of just survived <laughs> that long. You know, knowing the things that they knew. Emil collects all these, like, the little white flowers that you'll see on a lot of art and stuff to do with it. Which are, like, special flowers and things. Again, it's them kind of very cruel world, but these characters that just kind of are doing their own thing. Walking to the beat of their own drums. Extremely noisy. You always know when Emil's around. Yep. I always <laughs> need to run in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> so like, as soon as I approached it, I heard the music. I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> There is a TikTok somewhere of someone who baked a cake, but in uh, not a cake, a pie, and in the pie crust on the top, they cut out Emil's face. Oh. But then all of the inside of the pie, which is like a fruit pie, so all of the jam type stuff starts bubbling out of the top. Oh my god! And it is it is one of the most horrifying pies I've ever seen in my life. Do not send that to me. Do not ruin pies. I no, I won't. Thank you. Horror pie. <laughs> I do remember, I've made a note of a character called Jackass. I, I didn't have any real ca- connection to the character, but I liked their name. I think... Yeah, they had a name. I think Jackass, Jackass is, is who that, gives you the fish. Yeah, Jackass is the one who gives you the fish. Fuck that Jackass. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> there was one character I did like, and it's in the Resistance camp, and there's two people that basically give you like tutorials on how to play the game, mm. and one of them talks about the map and how shit it is, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Yeah, being self-aware about bad design is, you know, that's a nice, easy way out. <laughs> so, I mean, is there anything else you want to have a gripe at me about for making you play it? <laughs> no, I don't no, blame I... you at all. Like, um, I, I don't want to hate on this game because I know how much you love it and I would never, like, attack it. Like, I don't hate the game, don't think it's a bad game. I just really didn't engage with it whatsoever. I have issues with it, but I'm really happy it exists because it makes you so happy. So that's a win for me. Yeah, I, I, could, I, I had the choice of just stopping whenever I liked. So I still put like 20 plus hours into it, which is more than I'd put into a game that I hated. I've, I've rage quit like games after like half an hour. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad game. It's just one that I had a real hard time trying to work out if I liked it or not until I hit the point where I was like, I'm... I'm getting more frustrated than I am enjoying it. I'd rather stop now before it gets to the point where my, all my notes are just swearing. It <laughs> makes the, this episode really <laughs> uncomfortable. But I'm, I'm quite glad there was a break because like, my notes like, seemed to calm down as they were going along and I thought I could kind of edit them down and remove some of the more frustrating <laughs> comments I was making. I've, I've kind of mellowed on it a lot more now. Yeah, I think... Whatever whatever else, I have a very visceral reaction to this game, which means it's done something right in doing something wrong, if that makes sense. I've, I love talking about it because I have many, many thoughts. I just don't love the game. <laughs> <laughs> 
my final question but i think i can't ask it until we do discuss the final ending so i guess i'm giving us a this is the point of no return because i'm going into the very end now is there yeah. anything else for anybody oh i just remembered ooh, ooh. my uh, the, <laughs> the thing i like the most about it mm. the, the best thing about it is i thought the robot version of romeo and juliet was better than shakespeare's <laughs> <laughs> Forget about the robot version of Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) I will take you slandering my family, Chip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And actually, you've just reminded me of a thing that I've not mentioned and I can't believe I haven't, except in passing, the music. The, The music just gets stuck in my head constantly, all the time. Like, I think it's one of those where I can hear just a few chords. Like, because it features sometimes, like in Final Fantasy, if you're in the areas, you know, where and things like that. And I'll be like, that's near. Like, <laughs> immediately. I do think that JRPGs, especially, are always so on point with their music. You know, whether it's Final Fantasy or it's Persona 5 or it's near, or even a little bit of Code Vein that I played, like, they just always have a really good sense for music, I think they do it well <laughs> I, I liked the um it, the, the, the scene in the factory where all the robot rare machines are starting to like commit like mass suicide and the the become as gods we become as gods thing it becomes like a loop that's like playing into the music like as mm. you're running through this absolute carnage going off around you and it's a really nice build that i was i made a note of that i was like i didn't know how i was going to fit that note in there but i'm I'm glad we got to talk about the music because that was a really good bit. Like it got me pumped up. That was one of the one of my favourite parts of the game. I think that whole sequence, mm. just absolute carnage, and that the music that really got you in the the zone on it. I feel like as well, in spite of the fact that the actual areas themselves didn't do enough to differentiate themselves, the music often did. So like mm-hmm. Pascal's Village had that quite childlike music. Oh God, no, 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 no! The one that sounds like a child ghost mocking me. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I, no, I didn't enjoy that at all. I really love the fairground music. Yeah, the, the amusement park, park music is amazing. Yeah. It's very playful. And and again, very different. Like, I think, yeah, I just love the amusement, the amusement park. It was really nice to be in colour and have that music. Because there's all the and, fireworks like, and stuff, isn't yeah, there? And, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And the weird big tanker thing that's, like, shooting... Um, poppers like you know the like the oh, ribbons yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> where you're like am i supposed to attack it or do i leave it and you kind of all right i did at least i was creeping around it at first because i was like i saw the size of it i was like i don't want to get in a fight with it yeah if i'm honest <laughs> and then you realize you're like oh no it's not going to unless i do like it'll defend itself but it won't it's not going to come for me unlike the other tanks on other parts of the map but that one is like yeah we're cool beans yeah, I liked the music. Although, Chip, I do find it quite funny. I would agree with you. It's very childlike. But again, I just mean it more. Give a real sense. Dead childlike. <laughs> a real sense of place. <laughs> 9S does look like a dead Victorian child, so it would work. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he'd haunt like Nicole Kidman in a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd strangle him. Slowly. Poor Nines. He doesn't deserve this. <laughs> It's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really beating the shit out of him right now. Uh, uh. So, the very end, 
Becky saw this, you guys didn't. You're obviously not going to care if we talk about it. And I, if you read, read my article, it, then you've read about it anyway. Yeah. But in the final sequence, ending E, the the credits, the sort of the real end credits, they're not the haha, we fooled you credits. <laughs> you, it's an arcade shooter, essentially, and you're playing through it and you're playing through it. Um, and there's two B and nine S's pods, which they're kind of talking to each other, and they they ask you all these questions that essentially culminate in you know, do you want to give up? Asking, are you giving up? Are you done? And in the background, you see it's real messages from other players popping up around the world. And they're all like messages of hope and, you know, keep going and it's, you'll get there and all this. And, and you know, you can either um, accept the help to easily defeat the credits or, you know, drive yourself mad trying to beat them without it. Because it's just like space invaders on steroids. <laughs> Yeah, like it's just shooting stuff at you everywhere, and you just have the little needle, the like the little um, like arrowy type thing that you had when you did like uh, the hacking mini games. Yeah. So you just have that, and there's just stuff shooting at you all the time, and then at some point you have to start shooting the actual credits, like the actual names of the people that made the game, um, and things like that. So the best, the best way, realistically, the only way to defeat the credits is to accept the help, or of course give up. When you get to the very end. And I, I know exactly that Becky was coming from with an earlier comment about how frustrating it is and how it feels like it's all pointless. You're asked to sacrifice your save because that's the only way you can write a message for the next set of people. So it's save, get rid of your save to help the next person going through the struggle of the end credits. And what I took away from it was you fucking troll again. Yep. Tarot, but also this thing of like what I took from it was like the, the through the number of people, through the number of messages that were popping up, that people did do it. People sacrificed their saves, and so I did it. I, it's that kind of I don't know. It's in a really roundabout way. Is like humanity is maybe not always all that bad, um, and I have to believe that. I have to believe that the other people that did it had similar opinions to me. I got something similar from it. But I also completely understand the people that didn't delete their saves. Because the thing is, there's no real emotion in it. I do think that's one thing that spending so much time with androids and robots and, you know, the little pods and stuff is it's there's not necessarily emotion in that. Like we say, the machines are the most hum- the most emotionful. <laughs> emotional. That's the word. <laughs> um. I like emotionful. <laughs> that works. But, you know, the way it ends... It was inspired by Coca-Cola's Small World campaign. The live communication portals were planted throughout India and Pakistan, um, where people could like stand next to the portal and they'd see it somewhere else, and you know they could wave at each other and things. At the time, it was like quite a big deal. It was when there was a lot of you know turmoil between the two countries and things, and it was yeah, it's big bad corporate Coca-Cola, you know, but like also it still was a thing, um, and it was a little bit inspired by that apparently and. I don't know. I kind of liked it. <laughs> that that was that. That was kind of my game done there to play. If I want a new save, I have to play it again. But it's not going to be for everybody. So I guess, <laughs> like, in that consideration, in the vein of the entire game, and I get it, like, you know, it's one of the quotes I pulled in the piece that I wrote, which was just around the, 
um, there's just it's a random machine. It's not even a named machine. It's just a random machine you find that has like a little monologue, um, and then just has uh, ends with this world has no need for us. There's only one solution, and you know it ends its life. So it's, it is very nihilistic. Mm. But <laughs> is there a string of hope in there? So I think that was kind of where I wanted to end. It like just that is it nihilistic or is it hopeful? I obviously took a sliver of hope from it, but I get why you wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, so for me, I definitely come down on the side of nihilistic because you shouldn't have to sacrifice your entire story to help other people, is how I saw it. Like, to me, that that smacks of hopelessness. Like, you know, you've got nothing to show for it at the end. Yes, you, you help someone out, but ultimately that's inconsequential because they lose their save then if they go on to, to help someone else. So I found the whole thing very hopeless, just you know in general and also it's interesting Andy mentioning Kojima earlier because I actually think Death Stranding takes this idea and does something far more meaningful with it and generates that sense of hope so in Death Stranding for those who don't know uh, you and other players can leave things behind to help other players on their journey so ladders or terrain markers things like that you can build roads but there's no sacrifice there. It's it's just about helping other people and it's just about making that connection and, yeah, helping others along. So that, to me, feels more hopeful than the ultimate sacrifice of a save, you know, for the whole game to help someone. I, I don't know. It just, to me, again, it just felt like one last troll of, yeah, you spent all this time playing this game, but ta-da, it's gone because you were nice to somebody. Like the way, the way of what I obviously I didn't finish the game, but I read up on it and I, I looked into it. And first of all, I did like I, I was about I had made a note about Death Stranding, like how its multiplayer component was same with kind of near collaborative um, mm. to a certain de- degree. Things like Elden Ring yes. have like a collaborative. They, they try to design these online systems where it kind of, it only promotes positive interactions. A lot of people in the Elden Ring still try and find ways to troll you. <laughs> but like, I liked that, and I liked how that was coming into play in the final, the end game of Nier. The, the sacrifice thing, like, it does seem like a bit like a troll, like something Kojima did in the Metal Gear Solid games where he'd make you unplug the controller and switch it around or turn the console off to beat somebody, things like that. But the way I just kind of... Obviously, it'd be, I might feel different if I'd actually got all the way to the ending and finished it, but the way I interpreted it was the game saying, at some point, everything has to end, and life is finite. That's something the machines had to kind of reckon with. Like, things come to an end, you've got to learn to... You've got to enjoy what you've got while you've got it and not worry so much about what happens after and just cherish the time you had with this game then walk away you, you don't need to come back to it delete the game you're done you had your time you enjoy it that's kind of how it felt to me i thought like that, that's kind of cool because not just because i'd probably quite happily delete my game <laughs> if i was asked to but i just i liked the idea of saying okay you, you've had your time now you, you step aside and let the next people come along and do their thing that's something we all have to do we all have to make make our time on this earth matter for something and then hopefully leave something good behind for the people that are going to follow us and so they can do the same for the people behind them it's kind of how it kind of gave me a hopeful feeling whereas a lot of a lot of the other stuff you hear about in the game just feel kind of nihilistic but when it came to the ending it sat it felt 
hopeful to me. Like it felt like it was doing something positive rather than trolling you. I guess I know that some people I've seen Reddit where people were really furious about this thing and trying to find <laughs> workarounds for it, but no, I just felt like yeah. That, that well, I mean, enough. the workaround is to not delete it, and you don't have to delete it. You, you get like a, copy, a different you copy your save game, and then you can yeah, put it back oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I did delete mine for transparency, by the way, just so you don't think I'm a complete nightmare. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Like, I wouldn't judge anyone with whatever decision. They, I genuinely wouldn't. I think it's just really interesting. And, like, I did it, and you get the different, like, screen when you go back. Mm. Like, it acknowledges that you did that. But it's very serious. It just takes it very seriously. Like, it does delete the save. Like, it's gone. If you want to do all the joke endings, don't delete your save. <laughs> fuck everybody else just stumble (laughs) into the joke endings like i did yeah um chip what about you where do you fall on the nihilistic slash hopeful scale well firstly i want to say that we'll get to death strand in one day and i can talk about that christmas ruining sack of shit at some point (laughs) (laughs) but when it comes to you talk about death strand (laughs) me and becky that's a game we bought for you (laughs) I know, and that's why I feel really bad about it, but no, it is don't. still funny to me to be able to talk about it like that. Um, when it comes to Nier, or Neil, <laughs> I don't feel either way because I didn't emotionally engage with the game. I mean, I felt quite nihilistic when I was playing it at some points, but whether or not it's hopeful, I think it is overall, but not because of the game, but I think because of the way people have reacted to the game, and I know a lot of people love it. And you say it's a Marmite game, and I was kind of surprised, actually, because when I... At the time of recording this, when I looked at Metacritic, there's not a single bad critical review of it. So, no, there's not. like, maybe it's just, you know, like, the us normies <laughs> that aren't professional reviewers. Why did I imagine you hunchbacked when you were saying that? Normies. normies. I, I did. I did. I did a hunchback. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> um, so, for me, the fact that it is something that a lot of people love and it makes a lot of people happy and... Sasha, I know you're talking to us who didn't like the game, and I'm so sorry about that, but I'm sure there's many places that you can go and talk to a lot of people that do love the game, and you can talk about all these, like, theories and philosophies and characters and stuff, and you'll just have the best time. And so for me, the fact that that exists makes it hopeful because it is something that's in the world that I didn't vibe with, but it makes a lot of people happy, and that gives me hope. That's that's lovely. I never thought I would be the miserable one out of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't worry, we'll get to Death Stranding, I think I got, I think I, I, again, I think I got resting Grinch face the wrong way around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the grumpy one today. But no, it's not, it's not a grumpy thing. Obviously, we, all this came about because I wanted to talk about this game. And yeah, I got a lot from it. I did. I think it's, it was another, yet another example of a game that came into my life when I really needed it. It opened the door to some of my other favorite games namely final fantasy obviously but things like persona is is like the another example that just brings to mind that sort of jrpg like that realizing that there is a weirdness in the weeb shit that really gels with my own personal weirdness i do think as well you know as a as a maudlin child that I once was and continue <laughs> to be as an adult. Like, I don't know, I actually found that being able to lose myself in a lot of that nihilism at the start was weirdly cathartic for me. Because no matter how low I got or how, you know, down on humanity I can feel, 
Like, I don't feel as bad as Yoko Taro, Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, that man does not like humans. No, I don't hate humanity as much as he does. So, you know, like silver linings. But yeah, I don't know. The there's just there's just moments throughout the game. No matter how much it, the little elements broke my heart, no matter how there's not a single character that gets like a happy ending. It's not a happy ending game. Not even the people that survive the game, you know, the people that, you know, the characters that survive the game. I mean, I don't think we necessarily know who all they all are, but, you know, they're not going on to lead, you know, happily ever after, are they? And yet, I don't know, it still felt weirdly hurtful at the end. <laughs> um, and yet it was it was just one of those that gripped me. At the start, it was just because I, I bloody love a hack and slash. I do. And if, like, I can learn how to hit the right buttons in the right order and do the biggest damage, mwah, I'm happy. But, like, it just went a bit deeper than that for me. And even at the times when I was rolling my eyes and even at the times when I was actively annoyed because I was lost or <laughs> couldn't work out what I was supposed to be doing at times, like, I don't know, it pulled me through enough. I went into this expecting the aggressively fines <laughs> and expecting the dislikes because I think we've all come to know each other well enough over the last few years of doing this podcast and playing game play games <laughs> together that you know we know what we like yes in in ways so I never really expected it was going to be like a big hit but it's been really nice to talk it through anyway and if there's anything you've been able to take from that at least that's been nice I don't know if you've listened to this and you're like unsure about whether you want to play the game or not <laughs> just try it just, yeah, All I can right. say is it's it's genuinely a game that I think it, you can only figure that out by experiencing it. Yeah, I would agree. Just don't ask us for a refund if you play it and hate it. <laughs> that's, not, that's not on us. Just, just come talk to us on Twitter. I'll I'll be there. I'll hold your hand and through all the grumpiness. <laughs> As I did with Andy and Chip. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be there to laugh when 9S dies by being strangled by his friend. <laughs> <laughs> but just just on like one of the reasons I always love episodes we do where we all have differing opinions is the discussions are always great. And this is a great game to discuss. It's it's really meaty in terms of everything it's trying to do and its level of success I think depends very much on how well you vibe with it. So yeah, it's 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 always a good discussion to have. <laughs> It's been a while since I've hosted, but I believe this is the portion where I'm supposed to give a recommendation. So yes. I guess I will do that now. I actually don't you have... stolen or anything, are you? No. <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> I won't lie. I forgot about this. I did wonder if you did. So, Recommend so... Football Manager 2023. <laughs> no, no. I have one. It's just like Nier. <laughs> I TV have one. <laughs> okay, so pulling this out of my butt, I'm going to recommend... At the start of uh, October, I went to see Final Fantasy Distant Worlds. It has been 15 years, apparently, since the start of... Was it the 15th anniversary now I've said that? Yes, 35th anniversary. I knew it had a five in it. Um, <laughs> but I realised 15... <laughs> they are. I was going to say, I feel like 15 years ago... Like, Does that make me 15 years old? <laughs> I just... I was sad and I was like, 15 years doesn't sound long enough for a Final Fantasy franchise. No. Yeah, I feel like I've played Final Fantasy VII <laughs> before then. Um, so it was the 35th anniversary of Final Fantasy, which is fucking huge, by the way. Like, I didn't realise just how 
old games were sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> I still feel like they're an in-my-lifetime thing. I forget they were before my lifetime. And it was the 15-year anniversary of Distant Worlds. So it was well a pretty done. special concert. They played music from across the entire series. It was at the Royal Albert Hall. There was The room was just filled with millennials sobbing. <laughs> Like Sorry, literally, that's just a great image. <laughs> like we were all just sat there crying throughout. Like hey, at least it wasn't about house prices this time. No, no it wasn't. So what I'm recommending is basically there are playlists of the distant worlds, the different concerts. But all I'm going to say is like video game music generally, but Final Fantasy music. I hadn't fully appreciated just how much of the music came from the original Final Fantasy games. Um, and how much they just kind of remix it and redo it and add to it and put a bit of spice in there for, you know, the newer games. They did play Aerith's theme. I cried. Uh. Anything they played Final Fantasy fourteen was going to make me cry anyway. So it wasn't one of my favorites, but I still was like, oh, that's my boys on screen. <laughs> I was wearing my Scions of the Seventh Dawn t-shirt and everything because you know you don't go to a final fantasy concert and not wear a final fantasy t-shirt <laughs> i was like who's my boys they also did the love theme from final fantasy x cried throughout that as well and then they finished on sephiroth's theme like the entire albert hall went like into like a really deep red and it was really weird because i didn't realize that like the orchestras and choirs will not be like they've not toured this final fantasy distant worlds it's come there and they're having to sing and play it and i was like i love the idea of the choir and the orchestra of the royal albert hall like getting this music and it's video game music and they're all sat there just going Sephiroth! Like, over like, this, <laughs> <laughs> like it was so surreal and brilliant and yeah like I, I, there's just such a rich musical history there with the Final Fantasy music. It appeared in my Spotify top 100 <laughs> and did some of the songs from the series. So yeah, I'm just going to say go find a, a Distant Worlds playlist or even just a soundtrack from any of the games. They're, they're beautiful. They're truly beautiful. So that's my recommendation. We really did get weeby up in the shit. We did. <laughs> Look, it's rare I get to go full weeb. No, um, I love it. Weeb away. Uh, weeb wrapping free. up, Sasha. A weeb, a weeb, weeb away. free. A weeb away. A weeb away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't get to put my. But wait, there's my Christmas joke in. I did it there. Okay, moving on. No, oh, Sasha. <laughs> I know. That's one thing that will get cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I forbid it. <laughs> You'll be sorry, Chip. Oh, yes. God. Oh, yes. <laughs> Punching the air, high-fiving a million angels. <laughs> I don't want to record the Game of the Year episode anymore. <laughs> Let's let this die. I didn't think we were recording the Game of the Year episode anymore. No, I just meant ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to come back. Anyway, another classic one-up pod ending. I've been Bash, a uh, Bash at Demonhead on Twitter, Twitch, places. Becky? Becky Gracely at uh, places. Yeah, fair enough. Andy? <laughs> Truly underscore defective on Twitter. And Chip? Uh, at the Chip Thompson on Twitter and Tip Thompson's Thumbs on <laughs> Twitch. Tip Thompson's Thumbs. Tip Thompson's Thumbs. Tip Thompson's Thumbs. That's worse. You said it in a really weird way. You're like, Tip Thompson's Thumbs. That's how I talk. Tip Thompson's Thumbs. Tip Thompson's Thumbs. 
Who's <laughs> picking on the southerner again? <laughs> Always Prince Ponty Boy from Dazaf. <laughs> Honorary northerner, not a true one. <laughs> and we have been the one up pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, on Twitch, I think, still. still and on your good. podcast listener of choice, please give us a like, maybe a rating, and be nice. And get a life, play video games. <laughs> that was a very quick ending. <laughs> get a life, play video games. Bye. <laughs> was, was someone playing like music behind you? Like, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Just someone with a big hook off stage. <laughs>